So we're in the book of Romans still, chapter 1, verses 9 through 32, uh, speaking about denial and decline this time. Uh, this is a very controversial and very hard passage in our society today. It deals with some uh, choices of human behavior, some lifestyles that are, uh, well, let's, let's just be honest, it, it can be detrimental to even speak out against. Nonetheless, the scripture has things to say, and uh, as we honor the creator and the scriptures more than um, some lawmakers, uh, we will proceed and we will look at an honest account. I want to say from the very beginning, though, never does scripture give us an opportunity or permission to hate others, regardless of choices of behavior uh, of sin. Uh, another thing that's important for Christians to bear in mind is that a, another person's sin uh, does not make our own sin um, more acceptable. We need to keep that in, in mind and keep that in our hearts. The scripture is given to all of us, not one group. Uh, this scripture uh, is given to all, not to one particular group. It speaks of everybody's behavior. And for that reason, we need to be careful about judging. Uh, we need to be honest. We need to be forthright with Scripture. And we need to accept the Word of God for what it is, uh, not use it as a weapon. And so I, I want to I make that very clear from the, begin, from the beginning. Nonetheless, we also do not want to hide from what Scripture obviously teaches. And so we're going to talk about some things that may be controversial. Uh, there, there are some subjects that uh, I'm just going to tell you from the very beginning. Uh, I do not have the degrees, the background, the education to speak exhaustively on. I'm teaching from a scriptural standpoint. That's what I will always do. But I think there's enough reading. I think there's enough evidence that is available to us, certainly in this day and age, that we can make intelligent decisions both inside and outside of scripture concerning topics like creation, evolution, um, things of that nature. So with that being said as an introduction, let's go ahead and read the scripture. Chapter 1, verse 19 through 32. I'm reading from the New King James. We'll back up and we'll begin in verse 18, actually, of chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation, the world, is, uh, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even by his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God from a lie and worshiped 
and serve the creature the creature rather than the creator who blessed who is blessed forever amen for this reason god gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one for another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to debased mind to those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil-mindedness they are whisperers backbiters haters of god violent proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents undiscerning untrustworthy unloving unforgiving unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So we have uh, the, the chapter closes with that long and disturbing list. Uh, there's many things we could probably spend a week or better just tearing that apart. Uh, but we're going to make more of a snapshot view of this passage and, and try to continue on through the book of Romans. Uh, three points to the outline. First of all, because of creation, the creator is obvious. I, this blows my mind that we have to cover it, but we do. And so we'll talk about that to, to some degree. Uh, point number two, those who deny God are without excuse. The scripture plainly teaches that. And number three, God's gracious response to those who deny them. God does give a gracious response. Uh, he does not make excuse, and yet he get, but he does provide a gracious, gracious response. And we're going to talk to uh, about some examples during this lesson. Well, uh, first of all, because of creation, the Creator is obvious. Psalms chapter nineteen teaches us that the heavens declare the glory of God; the firmament showeth His handiwork. Scripture from the very beginning has been clear about this, that the, this earth, this world, this universe got to uh, its place, uh, its system, because God created it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Scripture is clear on that. And, and we're going to talk about that. The, the, uh, the book of Romans talks about the suppressing of this truth. He said, their suppression demonstrates their own unrighteousness. Those who would suppress this truth. Remember, we talked last time about what that means, this suppressing of the truth. Those who have the truth uh, and they willingly suppress it. They, they withhold it. They squash it. They hide it. And um, it, this demonstrates their own unrighteousness. They're really a better word for us in, in our age is probably rebellion. The rebellion against God. Uh, and one of the chief tools in this rebellion is um, the tool of uh, the lie of evolution. They call it the theory. It's really not even a good theory if you look at the definition of a scientific theory. Um, God has made himself manifest to all as well as us. 
despite the claims of people like Bertrand Russell and others who would say that uh, God is unclear, that he's hidden, it's simply not true. The opposite is true. And by the way, that's a chief tactic of the evolution and those who would suppress truth. They simply take what is obvious and claim that it's not, and then claim that the opposite is obvious. Um, it, it's remarkable, uh, but yet they follow the path of, uh, well, I'll just say it, Goebbels and those who are in charge of the propaganda for Nazi Germany, and that they state fantastic lies over and over and over again until they are accepted. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that, but that's basically the pattern. Um, God did not just make himself discoverable. He made himself obvious to all. All that one has to do is seek him out. Uh, and I've heard the argument many times. What, what about the, those who do not have a Bible, who do not have a church? And certainly, I will freely admit that here in America, we are blessed. We are given opportunity after opportunity. Uh, the, the scripture is abundant and available to us on every hand. Uh, but nonetheless, God makes opportunity for each and everybody. There, one of my favorite examples of this is a, a little more modern story, not a biblical example, but a man by the name of Samuel Morris. Uh, his original name uh, when he was born was Kabu, and he was born about 130 years ago in a small Liberian village. Um, his name was later changed to Sam Samuel Morris when he got to the States uh, to make communication a little more easy. easy. Uh, he was born the eldest son of a tribal chieftain of the Crew tribe. Well, those tribes were very poor. They lived in a very depressed area, and often warfare would break out. Uh, many times uh, captives would be made slaves, uh, made to work uh, and produce for the other or held for ransom. Uh, Samuel's sister was actually captured and she was being held and Samuel took her place. He, he was a more valuable uh, prisoner and so he took the place of his sister. And the tribe that held him was very cruel to him. They kept him tied up. They, they fed him just enough to keep him alive. Uh, and Samuel told, told the story that as he would lay there at night, he would look up at the stars and he would, he just believed uh, with the stars, the moon, the animal life, the plant life, that he, there had to be uh, somebody behind that. It, it was just too well organized. But he didn't know who because, of course, those tribes did not have a Christian missionary. They had never heard of the Bible. They'd never heard of the story of creation, as many, so many had not. Samuel finds a way to escape, and he travels blindly at night. During the day, he would hide in hollow logs and ditches in different places throughout the jungle. Uh, and at night, he would just walk. He didn't know where he was going, and you can imagine in the jungle at night with no light, uh, he had no sense of direction, per se. Uh, and he just walked for days. Eventually, he arrives in Monrovia, which is a larger city, uh, and lo and behold, he's still seeking this, this designer, this creator, and he finds a missionary. The missionary uh, had been a graduate of Taylor's University, and she began to teach Samuel. 
And she began to teach him uh, many things, reading and writing and, and basic communication skills. Uh, Samuel was a hard worker, and he would go out and find work as much as he could to help support and to, to, to buy money or buy food and things that he needed. And at night, he would learn. After he heard of the conversion of the Apostle Paul, Samuel accepts Christ as his Savior because it, it, he identified with that calling and, and with that, uh, uh, that revealing of a creator. Well, after a few years, Samuel had learned all that he could there. Miss Knowles and others had told him about uh, this man named Stephen Merritt in New York City, who was also a graduate of Taylor's University. Uh, a leader and a teacher of sorts. And Samuel uh, felt the leading of the Lord to find this Stephen Merritt. Here this young man uh, with very ed little education uh, and, and very few resources felt the leading of God. And so he followed and he goes and he finds uh, the port. He sleeps on the beach for several days. He finally finds a ship captain who only allows Samuel to work across on a ship because the rest of his crew, or many of his crew, abandoned him. And he was uh, desperate for help. Well, the, the captain was a cruel taskmaster. The, the other sailors treated him very poorly, but Samuel worked hard. And he would preach, and he would teach. And by the time their ship reached New York, New York City, Samuel had led many of those sailors and, then, and the captain to Christ. Well, the story continues, and in the middle of New York City, on the very first day, Samuel Morris meets the man that he's looking for, Stephen Merritt. And for sake of time, I'm going to expedite the story. You should really uh, go to the website of Taylor's University and, and find this story for yourself. It's a fascinating story. But uh, Stephen Merritt gets Samuel to Taylor's University. He's accepted, and he begins to study to preach, to teach, and to work with student leadership and win others to Christ. Sadly, uh, Samuel dies before he's allowed to get back to his native land to be a missionary, uh, which was his, uh, his ultimate goal. Nonetheless, because of his story, God did send other missionaries in Samuel's place to witness and to lead uh, those from his tribe to Christ. So uh, th this idea that uh, God has not made himself clear is just foolishness. God has made himself very, very clear. Uh, in verses 20, 20 through 23, uh, those who deny him are, are without excuse, the scripture says. And these, the, these God deniers that Romans 1 speaks of, uh, says uh, that they, they knew God. It, even though they knew God, they chose to not. Understand this, it's a willful choice. Um, and what does scripture teach us about knowing God? What does common sense teach us? Uh, it, it, folks, I can look out my window. There's a window in front of me. I can look at it. I can see the order of the universe. I, I can see the order of the, the earth I can tell you that somebody put that together. It does not just happen. Evolution basically wants to teach that some primordial slime crawls up on a rock, it's heated by the sun or struck by lightning, uh, and it eventually becomes the order that we know today. Utter foolishness. 
And one thing that I observed just in my lifetime, as they begin to teach evolution, every time they run into a problem, what's the solution? They simply add more time. What used to be 10,000 years of evolution became a million years. What used to be millions became uh, tens of millions, and then hundreds of millions, and then now billions. Because why? They keep running into problems that do not work scientifically. They leave the scientific method behind to, to support evolution. There are so many problems with it. And yet, it is taught and it is demanded to be taught. So just a few problems, and again, I don't have the PhD, I'm not a scientist, I don't claim to be, but folks, there's enough good information out there um, that you can, you can find this without much trouble. But here's just a, a, a few problems. Uh, one of the biggest problems of the things that where the church failed back in the 70s, especially in the 60s, was this combination, this theistic, theistic evolution. These are those who, would, uh, who got, I would just say, nervous because of evolution gaining popularity and they they tried to make evolution the evolutionary model fit with the biblical model to press those two together and one thing that was used to do that was called the day age theory and in this theory they say okay the days of creation happened but in between the days there might have been a million years or a thousand years and and this time for evolution to 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 evolve and to create what we see today without God's uh, speaking it into existence exactly the way He said in Genesis one, the evening and the day were the or the day and the morning and the evening were the first day, the second day, the third day, a twenty-four hour period. Instead of just agreeing with that common sense explanation of the language, no, 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 they say there's these gaps in between the days where things evolve. And on day one, light was created. And on day two, the sky. On day three, land, seas, plants, and trees. On day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day five, birds and marine life. And on day six, animal life and mankind. Well, folks, we have a problem. If we're going to accept the day-age theory, it says that on day three, plants and trees are created. If there's a thousand year gap or a million year gap or any kind of extensive gap how do the trees and the plants survive without the sun which is created on day four folks it's just utter foolishness we need to believe that god did what he said he would do or that he did uh, in its plain explanation another problem is the fossil record uh, the, the, we have millions, literally millions of fossils. Um, and, and we don't have a single fossil that shows a transitional change between species and types. Now understand this, when you talk about evolution, if you talk about microevolution, uh, species evolving over time within their own species and type, the Bible clearly supports that. If you talk about macroevolution, where species change between types, then we have a problem because the Bible clearly says that God created. Uh, certainly, there's no problem with microevolution. We can we can observe that. We can apply the scientific method. Absolutely, we do not want to be ignorant, but yet macroevolution. 
is so unproven. It, it, we can't observe it. We don't see it. We don't even have fossils, a single fossil, that display macroevolution. And yet, it seems to be the law of the land. A few years back, Ben Stein made a movie called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. Now, Ben Stein, to the best of my knowledge, is not a believer. He's not a Christian. Uh, he made this because of his, his concern for integrity in the educational system of America. And the, the fear that is exposed on the side of the, creation, of the evolutionist um, by their tight grip control uh, on the educational system kind of exposes what and reveals what they, they know in their hearts uh, even though they deny it. And, and the, it's all these problems with their theory. In the movie, Ben Stein, he interviews such names as Richard Dawkins, Michael Shermer, P.C. Myers, Daniel Dennett, David uh, Berlinski, and others. So it, it's not a, uh, again, this is not a religious movie. He goes to those in academics, and he interviews those on both sides of these arguments. Um, and his, again, his concern is, is that academic freedom is being stifled. And so many times in the movie, we, we learn of people, and you don't hear about this now. This is a part that, that the evolutionist does not like to broadcast. But those who held even university chairs, when they simply mentioned intelligent design, not the Bible, not the God of the Bible, just the possibility of an intelligent designer, they were ostracized. They were silenced. In, in today's terminology, canceled. They lost their jobs, they lost their seats at the university, and they just simply were not allowed to speak ever again in academic circles. Folks, this is, this is a tra travesty, and it, it's a suppression of truth. And, and one, again, Ben Stein relates this to what happened in Nazi Germany, when truth was simply suppressed by the government or by those in authority. You say, well, the universities are not the government, but yet, where do they get their funding? Where do they, where do they apply for grants? They take our tax dollars, and they apply for grants, and they get money to support their theory. They, they do the study, and they support their theory. And there's so, kind, so many problems. We could spend hours on this, um, the, the carbon dating methods, the flaws within that method, the problems. Uh, the very fact that you have to estimate the age of something before you send it in to be dated. It's just ridiculous. Well, then there's complexity and order. We can simply look at the complexity and the order of our world, of our universe, and it's obvious, folks, that if there was an intelligent designer by, by, uh, behind it. It did not just happen. Yet, Romans chapter 1 Let's get back to where we began. Romans chapter 1 talks about this in that it is obvious that there is a creator. It is God Almighty. It is the God of the Bible, folks. And those who would look at this, who can clearly understand it and then deny it, and not just deny it, but suppress the truth to others, will be judged. But not only that, Romans chapter 1 shows us and teaches us that this leads to a decline, and there's a, a, a digression to this, uh, to this declining. 
Um, it's a it's an ordered digression, and I think and I believe we can see this in other societies who have. Uh, accepted untruth who have followed a pattern of sin and we can follow this order of uh, declination if you will uh, to its very end just as it is described in Romans chapter 1 and sadly I believe that the nation of America is on this same order on this same path as they follow it down uh, sadly to its own ruin God, we, t- we said point number three was God's gracious response to those who deny him. And the graciousness, folks, is his patience. How would a man make God respond to this denial? Think of that for just a moment. If I had the power to be the creator in my, in my humanness, and, and I could speak a world into existence, and I could give it and bless it with everything that it needed, and then that same world, denies me, refuses to believe me, begins to cancel me, to suppress my truth, what would be my response without grace? Well, I would squash them. I would just bring them to an end and start over. And yet God has not done so. He'd be perfectly within his rights to do so. But we see that God's patient response allows the 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 society to decline. Now, what happens within that time frame is many will see the truth and many will follow him. And so God's grace allows this. God's grace also allows for society to turn. We have seen revivals in our nation. We forget to teach of those uh, far too often, but we've seen many revivals where society itself, uh, communities and, and states, and even governments in some, uh, in some, to some degree, uh, turn from their wicked ways. Uh, why? Because of the vote of the people, of course. The politician always will turn to the majority. Uh, but yet, uh, we see the pattern. So what is this pattern that, that is taught in Romans chapter 1? Well, folks, we just read it. The path and the end of the digression. And the end is destruction. Uh, following the long list uh, that was given. Um, unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, con- uh, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, mad- uh, uh, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parent, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Folks, it just gets worse and worse the further that we read. And, and we've grown so accustomed to this, we forget that it was not that long ago in America when life was simpler. And folks, I really mean this. I'm not just trying to be the old guy. There was a time when we didn't worry so much about uh, even locking our doors because we felt safe because we weren't worried about murderers, backbiters, inventors of evil things coming in and doing harm to us. We knew that we trusted our neighbors. Uh, We looked out for one another. It, it, there were there were deals and there were there were loans made on handshakes because of the integrity of men. You could look a man in the eye and you could take his word upon things. And yet now, 
with this, this declining of morality, what do we have? We don't have just locks. We have uh, cameras. We have uh, alarm systems that are monitored. We, we have every little uh, convenience and, and, and protection because we don't trust anyone. And we don't trust anyone because of good reason. All we hear about is this decline of morality, backbiting, hating, murdering, uh, disobedience to parents. Notice that's in the list of all these other horrific sins. And we don't even give that a second thought now. Well, how does it all end? Verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Pride in sin. And it brings destruction in the end. Folks, it does not have to be that way. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, later on in the book of Romans uh, chapter 10, he says, call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You can put your faith in this creator, God. You can put your faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sin, and you can be forgiven today. Would you do that? Would you pray a prayer? Would you just stop what you're doing now and bow your head and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ? Admit that you are a sinner. You're guilty of some of these very things we've written, well, that we've read of that you have broken God's law. Ask him to forgive you and to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if you'll do that, you shall be saved. You will be saved. Not a question, not a hope so, not a maybe so, but you will be saved. Folks, stop the decline. Do that today and become one of his children. That's all I have for you. We'll look for you next time in lesson number four as we continue our journey through the book of Romans. Thank you for listening.